All right, well, let's go to God's Word if you want to take out your sermon note sheet as we dig into God's Word. Today is the day. So after 24 messages and seven months in the book of Ephesians, we are finally at the end. And I got to tell you, what a study it has been. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have preaching, uh, have preach, been, been in preaching it. You know, throughout the 22 and a half years that I've been a pastor, uh, this has to rank up there as one of my favorite studies of all time, because I just feel like God has given such fresh revelation, not only for me personally, as I've prepared for the series, but I think the Lord has spoken a lot of things to us corporately through this series as well. If you've been with us, you know by now that Ephesians is all about you and I as Christians living out our identity in Christ. And if you remember, I've, I've talked about this throughout this series, but there are three words that form the outline of this book that tell us how, become, how we can live out our identity in Christ in a very practical way. And those three words are the word wealth, walk, and warfare. And so Ephesians kind of breaks down this way. When you understand your wealth in Christ, all that God has done for you and given you in him, now you're in position to walk out your identity in Christ. Amen. Otherwise, live out who you're called to be in Christ. Now, the reason why this is such a big challenge to do in this messed up, broken world is because we live right smack in the middle of a very real spiritual battle. That's why the final section of Ephesians is all about the warfare of the believer. It, it's why we must learn how to put on the full armor of God. Because without it, we will never be able to stand against the evil schemes that the devil has designed to hinder us from living out our identity in Christ. So that's why Paul ends this book the way he does. Now, let's go ahead one last time and read what Paul has to say about the warfare of a Christian. We've done it every week as we've worked through the armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you've been with us, you know we have gone week by week through each piece of the armor mentioned here. And we've been through all six pieces, but there is still something needed. Even if you have all six of those pieces of armor in place, there is still something needed if you're going to be successful in the spiritual battle. Yes. What is that something? Well, it's prayer. Yes. I'm going to look at it. Very next verse. And understand, this is still in the context of talking about the spiritual battle. In fact, in the NIV here, it starts a new sentence, but really, in the original Greek, it's, it's continuous sentence here. So Paul says, watch this, and, otherwise, in addition to putting on the full armor of God, 
pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the lord's people if we're going to be able to stand firm in the spiritual battle it's imperative that we know how to pray we're going to have to learn how to pray consistently and effectively if we're going to be victorious in the spiritual battle do you understand the record of scripture teaches us that i mean the bible is full of people who knew how to pray in the old testament you see people like noah and job and moses abraham david to name a few who all knew how to communicate with god And we all know what God did in and through their lives. In the New Testament, you find people like the Apostle Paul who knew what it was to pray. We see the disciples of Jesus and the early church who were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And do you understand they turned the world upside down with the gospel in their day? So much so that we're talking about it 2,000 years later. We even see Jesus model the importance of a prayer life. Although Jesus, think about this, although Jesus was God in the flesh, do you understand his ministry was continually marked by prayer? Think about it. You find him praying in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. And you see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane at the end of his ministry. In fact, he's even on the cross praying. And all in between, the beginning and the end, You read your Gospels, you'll find Jesus praying. We constantly see him praying. Why is that? Well, because Jesus, better than anybody, understood the reality of the spiritual battle going on in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Praying is one of the disciplines that's hardest for me to keep in place. I don't know about you, but it just seems like I get distracted so easily from praying. How many know what I'm talking about? I believe one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to be consistent with our prayer life is because the devil knows that a praying Christian is a powerful Christian. And so I believe he works really hard to distract us from doing so. Now, as I began to study this section of scripture, at first I wondered why in the world didn't Paul mention another piece of armor that he could have used to describe prayer? I mean, there were more than six pieces of armor. There was the lance he could have talked about. He could have talked about the lance of prayer. Why didn't he do that? Well, I think it's obvious from the text that Paul intended for prayer to be a vital part of spiritual warfare, warfare, yet he doesn't describe it as a piece of armor. And I've come to realize there's a very important reason why that is. It's because prayer is to be something that works in concert with your spiritual armor. Paul was not saying, in addition to the armor, you got to add prayer. He was implying that prayer is to be woven into the spiritual armor. All through the procedure of arming yourself and undergoing the demands of battle, we are to be continually engaged in prayer. And so here's the main thought for this whole message this morning, and I have it in your notes. You need to understand, prayer is more than an additional piece of armor. It's the atmosphere in which all our fighting should occur. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to understand a lack of prayer will make you less prepared for the battle. It'll make you more prone to faint, more prone to grow weary, or abandon the fight altogether. 
when the battle gets hot and heavy. Prayer is what helps you not only put on the armor, but keep it securely in place for the spiritual battle. And it also does something very, very important, something else. It helps remind you that in the spiritual battle, you must be strong in the Lord. Okay? You've got to be strong in the Lord. You are no match for the devil in your own strength. You must continually rely on the strength of the Lord if you're going to be strong in the spiritual battle. If you're going to defeat the devil's schemes, you got to do it not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. And prayer helps remind you why to keep your focus in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what I've entitled today's message. I've entitled it, A Life of Prayer. Okay, notice, it's not have a prayer time. It's not pray at church. The title is A Life of Prayer. Out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, I want to draw your attention to five aspects of prayer mentioned here. Five aspects that will help you develop a life of prayer. Five aspects that will help you when it comes to prayer and and, and it being powerful when it comes to being used in the spiritual battle. First aspect of prayer I want you to notice, let's call this the frequency of prayer. Number one, the frequency of prayer. Look at it, back to our verse. Paul says, and pray in the spirit, watch this, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and, what what does it say? Always Always keep on praying. Catch that. Always keep on praying. Now, when it comes to prayer, there are usually two questions that people ask. Those questions are, how long should I pray? And when should I pray? Okay, do I pray for five minutes? Pastor, do I pray for 10? Do I pray for 15? Do I pray for an hour? How long should I pray? Do I pray in the morning? Do I pray at night? Do I pray in the afternoon? Well, while I understand what people are saying when they ask those questions, the answer to both of those questions is you should be praying all the time. The pattern that you find laid down in the New Testament is that of constant and continual prayer. Let me take you to a few scripture verses. Look what Jesus said about living in the last days right before his return. Luke 21, verse 36. He says, watch therefore and pray what? Always. Always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will continue to pass and to what? Stand. Stand. The key to standing is to watch and what? Pray always. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we're told this about the early church in, in how they did church. It says they devoted themselves continually as the idea to prayer. Paul said this to the Roman church in Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Paul said this to the Colossian church in Colossians 4, verse 2. I mean, every time he talks to a church and writes a letter, look at this, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Paul gave this instruction to the Thessalonian church. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Now watch this. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is the will of God that you would pray without ceasing. Now, if you're going to pray without ceasing, you have to understand what that means and what that doesn't mean. 
Obviously, praying always does not mean we are to pray in formal or noticeable ways every single waking second of our lives. Okay, God doesn't expect you to become a monk and lock yourself away. Many well-intentioned, misguided Christians have done such a thing. And I think the devil loves it when a Christian takes that approach. Because you can't win the game sitting on the bench. You can't minister to and reach a lost world if you're hiding from the world. How are you going to be light if you can't be around darkness? How are you going to be salt if you can't be around decay? Nor does praying always mean that you are praying 24-7 every minute and every second of the day. I mean, think about it. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to work. You got to spend time with your family. Listen, it's okay to enjoy life and to enjoy hobbies and do things you like to do. It's unrealistic for you to be praying every single second of the day. Nor does praying always mean that we are to devote ourselves to ritualistic patterns or forms of prayer that are recited over and over again. I mean, I think some of us, that's what we go to. And there's nothing wrong with pre-written prayers, but how many know you could just be going through the motions? Jesus talked about the dangers of meaningless, repetitious prayers in Matthew chapter 6. He said that's more characteristic of pagan worship than it is of Christian worship. Nor does praying always mean you have to go to certain places and get in certain positions to pray. For some people, they think the only place I pray is I got to go to the church to pray or I've got to come to the altar to pray. Or I've got to kneel to pray, or I've got to bow my head to pray, or I've got to close my eyes to pray. Listen, there are many times when I am counseling people, and I'm sitting there listening to their story, and I'm looking dead at them, and I'm, I'm not saying a word, but I'm praying in my mind going, oh dear Jesus, what do I say to them? Do you understand that is just as much prayer as when you kneel? What Paul is talking about when he says pray always or pray without ceasing, what he's really talking about is a continual God consciousness that you have in your life. That as you go through your day, you're always conscious of including God, communicating with him in simple ways because he's always with you. So what what do you say, pastor? I don't know what that looks like. Let me give you a picture. To walk in a constant God awareness means that when I see something or come across a need, I talk to God about it. When I see something evil, I pray that God would set it straight and keep it from entangling me. When I see somebody who is hurt, I pray that God would touch them. When the Holy Spirit brings someone to my mind, how many have ever had that happen? That means, you know what? No matter where I'm at, I'm going to say a prayer for them. God laid them on my heart. When I am tempted, oh, I don't have to wait till Sunday to go to church. I'm going to run to God right in that moment and say, Lord, I need to run to you. When something wonderful or beautiful happens in your life, you ever had that happen? You're like, oh, just God. Thank you, God. When we recognize those around us don't know Christ and are spiritually dark, I I pray that God would take the blinders off and that God would somehow use me in their life. When I'm in the midst of dealing with a difficult person, anybody else deal with difficult people? (laughs) I say, God, I need you to give me guidance and help me. When I'm facing a stressful situation or a difficulty in my own life, I turn to God and say, God, I need your help. When there's decisions in front of me that I don't know what to do, I'm saying, God, what, what, what would you have me do 
with this decision that is now in front of me. This is what it means to have a continual God awareness in your life. This is what it means to pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you're formally in some kind of ritualistic all the time. It it means that that you're walking with God. Can I just say this, parents? One of the greatest things that you can teach your kids is that God is willing to listen to them anytime, anywhere. Okay, I I realized something with my kids growing up, and parents, I'm going to say this to you. There are wonderful times during the day where you teach them to go to God and pray, like before bedtime. And we did that with our kids and we read their Bibles and we prayed with them and then at mealtime. But you know what I began to realize? Sometimes we just get in the habit with them and they're like, God is good. God is great. Let us thank us for the food. Amen. And they just kind of repetitiously get into this habit. They get it done. You need to stop your kids and say, no, no, let's pray different. Just pray from your heart to God. Okay. Nothing wrong with having times of prayer, but teach them that they can pray anytime over any situation. And what prayer really is, is having a heart-to-heart with God, not just meaning as repetition, to check something off the list. Praying always, or praying without ceasing, is continual God consciousness. It's, it's communicating with God. It's having a heart-to-heart with Him. It's talking with Him. Listen, if we're going to win the battle in the spiritual realm, we must remain in a continual attitude of communion with God. That means your communication with God has to go beyond your daily devotional time. See, so often what happens is we have our daily devotional time, and that's a great thing, but we kind of then go on our day not ever thinking about or communicating with God ever again. Listen, it's important to have a daily devotional time where you shut out the world and communicate with God, but not only do we need to have that time, we need to remain in the continual awareness that I can go to him at any time of my day in any situation. That's the key to the spiritual battle. It's that, get this, that you are walking with God. Talking to him throughout your day as you go about your day, including him in your decisions, including him in your plans, and asking him for direction, seeking his mind and his will in whatever situation you may find yourself in. You understand God doesn't want just to have devotional time with you. God wants to walk with you. In fact, let me say it another way. God wants to, you to walk, be walking with him as you walk through this life. I love what the Bible says about Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Look at this. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked what? Faithfully with God. He walked with God. It doesn't say Noah had devotions with God, although I'm sure he did. It says he walked with God. No wonder that resulted in him being such a righteous man. He walked with God because when you walk with God, that's what happens. God wants you and I to walk with him as we walk through this life. Listen, not just on Sundays. God wants to walk, wants you to be walking with him on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Throughout the rest of your week, he wants you to walk with him whether you're at home or at work. Whether you are at church or spending time with friends, whether you are with Christians or non-Christians, God wants you to be walking with him. Listen, when it comes to my relationships, my activities, whatever I may do in this life, God wants me to be walking in step with him. And prayer is how you do that. So that's what we mean by the frequency of prayer. Are you still with me? Everybody understand what we're talking about this morning? 
Prayer is to be an ongoing thing in your life as you walk with God. Second aspect of prayer I want to draw your attention to from our verse this morning. Let's call this the variety of prayer. Go back to our verse, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Watch this. With all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, what he's drawing our attention to here, he's talking about there are all kinds of different ways that you can pray. I, I think for most Christians, they think of, they kind of get this mental picture in their mind of what prayer is supposed to look like. And that, pair, that picture, I think, varies from Christian to Christian. But usually, it's the picture of someone down on their knees or with their hands folded. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand prayer is not a position. It's simply you communicating with God. That's the definition of prayer. It doesn't matter whether you are on your knees, have your hands folded, or have your hands lifted high. It doesn't matter whether you have your eyes opened or your eyes closed. It doesn't matter whether your head is bowed or it's looking up. What matters is that you are communicating with God somehow, some way. So let me tell you what that means. You can pray in public or in private. You can pray with loud cries or quiet whispers. You can pray silently with no words at all through your conscience. You can pray driving your car. You can drive, pray sitting at your desk at work. Nobody even knows that you're praying. In the Bible, you see a variety of forms and circumstances and postures for prayer. So let me give you a good slogan for your prayer. It's Nike's, Nike's slogan. Just do it, baby. Just do it. Stop worrying about if you're saying this or I'm doing it right. Listen, what God wants is a communication from you. He wants a heart-to-heart with you. You don't worry that sister so-and-so, boy, she can really pray. You just pray from your heart. That's all God wants. And you can do that anywhere. Not only can you pray in different ways, but you can pray different types of prayer. There are petitions. This is what we're probably used to the most. Lord, I need you to help me with this. And I need you to do that in my life. The Bible says you have not because you what? Ask. Ask not. So petitions are very important when it comes to prayer. Give me your wisdom. Give me your heart. Give me your mind. There's intercession for other people. I mean, you can intercede for yourself, but you can intercede for other people. Has God ever laid somebody on your heart or you prayed for somebody? And I'm interceding for that situation, for what's going on in their life. There's prayers of confession and repentance. I got to get myself back in alignment with God because right now I'm out of step with God. I'm walking according to my own steps and not walking with God. There's prayers of thanksgiving. You ever had God doing something in your life and all of a sudden hit you and you're like, oh God, I'm just so thankful. How many know what I'm talking about? Then there's prayers of praise. I don't, I don't think we think about this very often, but we like to separate, like when we come to church, oh, we do praise and worship first and then we hear the sermon and, and then we pray. Do you understand praise is really, it's prayer. That's what it is. We're, praising, we're praying with song when we're worshiping the Lord before we get into the message. Those are just a, a few of the ways. There's different types of prayer. And, and what is Paul telling us? He's telling us that not only do we need to pray frequently, but we need to learn to pray with variety. Because you're not always going to be in the same place 
or in the same position. Learn to have a God awareness and consciousness no matter what situation in life you're in. Because here's the deal once again, the devil plays dirty. He's going he's gonna to find any way to attack you at any time he sees a vulnerability. So you need to be prepared and ready at any time. Variety of prayer. Listen, when you practice that in your life, it helps you develop a life of prayer. Third aspect of prayer I want you to notice. Let's call this the power of prayer. Now notice what Paul says at the beginning of verse 18. Paul says, and pray in the spirit. Everybody see that? Now, this is one of those little phrases in the Bible that has created different denominations of churches. There's a lot of confusion as to what in the world does this mean? You say, I, I, I'm not familiar with this. What are you talking about? Well, Pentecostal churches say it's talking about praying with your prayer language or tongues. And non-Pentecostal churches say... It is praying consistent with the will of the Spirit or with what he would want in your life. And so you have this debate going back and forth. What does this mean? Who is right? Are you ready for the answer to this? They're both right. Yes. Let me explain. Let me start by giving you a definition of what it means to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is this. It's to pray with the mind of the Holy Spirit who always has the will of God in mind. Let me take you to a scripture in Romans that helps you see this. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Paul writes, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses. Well, how does the Holy Spirit help us in our weaknesses? Watch this. We do not know what we ought to pray for. See that? How many have ever been there? I don't even know what to pray. But... The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, watch this, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So understand, what's the Holy Spirit doing for you right now? He's always praying for you. And what does his prayers involve? Praying for the will of God in your life. Right before Paul... Uh, wrote this verse. He just got done talking about how the Holy Spirit comes to live within us at salvation. So if you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, it's not because you don't speak in tongues. It's because you're not saved. Everybody got that? The Holy Spirit intercedes for you, and he is always praying for you, consistent with the will of God, whether you speak in tongues or not. Everybody say amen. Amen. Not only is the Spirit praying for you, but when he prays for you, once again, it's consistent with the will of God. And you, when you pray in the Spirit, what you do is you join the Spirit in praying for the will of God for your life. And it's something powerful. It's the same idea as when you pray in the name of Jesus. Some people get this wrong. Some people, here's what they do. They think, if I just throw out the name of Jesus, it's like this magic pixie dust. That's not what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Some people praying in the name of Jesus, but don't want to follow the will of Jesus and wonder why there's no action in their life. That's right. That's right. 
Listen, to pray in the name of Jesus is if it is your name, let your will be done. This is why Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What? Your kingdom come, your what? Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want your will that's in heaven to be done in my life. Okay, so when we're talking about praying in the name of Jesus, same thing about is praying in the, in the spirit in accordance with his will. So what I want you to understand is when you pray according to what the Spirit's will is in your life, it's powerful. Let me just say this. This is why you must learn God's word and stay grounded in God's word. Because it's 100% the mind of God, the will of God. It's the mind of the Spirit. I don't even need to wonder whether I need to be praying for our church to grow and reach more people. Do you know why? Because I know what the word of God says. I know that's the, the will of God. I know that's the mind of the spirit. Now, as I've already said, when you become a Christian, the spirit of God comes to live within you. But there is a second work of the spirit that he wants to do in the life of a believer that is referred to in the Bible as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what you see happening in the book of Acts. Now, let me just say this, because some of you come from different backgrounds and you're not sure about this. And and let me just explain this to you for just a second. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift from God that is meant for every Christian, not just for a few. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are given a prayer language that accompanies that. God's intention is that you would use that prayer language in your relationship with God. You say, well, why? Because when you use that prayer language, you have to understand it is the Spirit of God praying with you through you. Because just as the Spirit prays for us and according, according to God's will for us anyway, listen, and he does that in the life of every believer no matter what, God has given us an opportunity for the Spirit to pray through us and with us through our prayer when it comes to tongues. And he prays through us in a way that is always perfect in accordance with the will of God. So I want you to understand that tongues is not just the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a purpose behind it. Part of that purpose is to help strengthen you in the spiritual warfare. So, so here's what I would say to, to you, that some of you, that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you never use your tongues in your personal devotional time. You need to get used to using that in your devotion, personal devotional time. You not only need to pray with your mind, but you need to learn to pray with your spirit. That's not to say that that you don't ever pray in your native English. It's not important. You need to do that. I think if you only pray in tongues, you end up being spiritually lazy as well. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And, And remember, he's talking about tongues here. Because how many know when God gives a gift, men likes to corrupt it? and misinterpret it and misunderstand it and all those things. And so the Corinthian church, uh, they're, they're just misusing tongues and they're, they're, they've, they've got a mess on their hands with it. How many know that happens in churches sometimes? In fact, that's why some of you have been taught wrong things about this. Amen? And Paul's dealing with this with that church. And he says this about his own personal prayer life. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit what? Pray. See that? but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, 
Do you believe in tongues? Do you pray in tongues every day? Every message that I prepare. It's important for my personal life. It's important for my spiritual life. And you say, Pastor, do you even know what you're saying? Nope. But the Bible says he who speaks in a tongue speaks directly to God. And I'm just confident that God has given me a tool. Is the Holy Spirit, as I pray that prayer, I'm praying directly to God in a way that's in perfect accordance with the will of God. There are so many times when I don't even know what to pray. And I'm like, I'm just going to go pray in my prayer language because God, I just need to communicate with you. I don't even know what to say, but your spirit does. And I'm just going to open myself up to to praying with the spirit and allowing me to pray in accordance with God's will. Let me just say this. If you have not ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to seek God for it. Because that prayer language will help you in the spiritual battle. So, I know that's a mouthful. Some of you are like, I didn't, I didn't even know. We'll talk more. Trust me. So, are non-Pentecostals right? Or are Pentecostals right? They're both right. Imagine that. Oh, my goodness. I just want you to understand there is a purpose for tongues. It's just not, it's not just the evidence of somebody being baptized. No, there's a purpose for it. There's a, there's a devotional day-by-day purpose for it and why you need to seek God for that baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, as you can tell, I'm very Pentecostal. Some of you had your doubts. But I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager, and I've used that gift consistently in my life, and I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So there's power in praying in the Spirit. Okay? There's power in praying according to the will of God in your life. That's where power is found. Now, there's a fourth aspect of prayer that I want you to see in verse 18. Let's call this the persistence of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Once again, and pray in the Spirit with all, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, watch this, be alert and always keep on praying. You see that? Be alert and always keep on praying. Be alert and always keep on praying. Why do you have to always keep on praying and be alert? Well, because there's a devil out there that is looking to throw evil schemes at you. One of the reasons, and I include myself in this, one of the reasons we so often fail or fall for the devil's schemes is because we are not prayed up. Let me take you to Matthew chapter 26 to show you this. Here's the scene. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the spiritual battle is really intense. It's so intense that Jesus ends up sweating droplets of blood. He's so under attack spiritually. And what is Jesus doing? He's praying. And he knows his disciples are getting ready to be tempted by the devil to abandon him. And so Jesus says, guys, I need you to pray with me for an hour. I need you to pray with me, for me. We need to pray together. He's trying to tell them about the spiritual battle that's going on, and they don't, they're just oblivious to it. How many of you can be oblivious to the spiritual battle? Because you're not prayed up, right? So we're told this. Jesus goes off, and he prays, and he's praying, and it says this. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. And Jesus says, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? Oh, isn't that something? Jesus is like, I just asked for one hour. That's all I've asked for. I didn't ask for 10. I asked just for one. He said this in verse 41. And notice he mentions Peter specifically because who's going to have a big failure that night? 
Every, all of them will fail, but especially Peter, because Peter didn't think he would fall. Now watch this. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Did you catch that? Yes. Why, does he need, why do they need to watch and pray so that they do not what? Fall into temptation. Here's why that's so important, because the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. This is why persistence in prayer is so very important because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter chapter 5, and the person who's not prayed up is often the one he goes after. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the what? Flesh is weak. Think about it. What happened to all the disciples when they arrested Jesus? They all fell to temptation. They all abandoned Jesus in his greatest hour of need. Why? Because they weren't prayed up. And when you're not prayed up, your flesh will very easily override your spirit. Oh, but when you pray, you make your spirit strong. And when you continually pray and make your spirit strong, you now have a better chance of your spirit overriding your weak flesh. And keeping your weak flesh in track. Why? Because watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So that's the pers- persistence of prayer. That's why, that's why we, we can't neglect it because it helps us keep our spirit in, in tune with God. It helps remind us how we're to be walking, what identity we're to be flowing in. And it, it's just a constant reminder and a constant reliance on whose strength we need for the spiritual battle. Because your flesh can't do it but your spirit with God's help can. Amen? So that's the persistence of prayer. Now, there's one more aspect of prayer Paul talks about here. Let's call this the fellowship of prayer. Once again, starting from verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Watch this. For all the Lord's people. Do you see that? And then Paul says, you want to know what you can pray for me? Here's what he says. Pray also for me that whatever, whenever I speak, my words may, be, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador, an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You say, well, what are we to be praying over each other? Are you ready for this? That the kingdom of God would advance in our lives. Yeah. Not only that the kingdom of God would advance in our lives, but it would advance through our lives. That's what we pray about with one another. That, that's, that's, that's very important. Listen, with anything else in the Christian life, God never wants you to go it alone. Do you understand that? Amen. You need other Christians in your life who will pray with you and Christians that you will pray with so that you can both be successful in the spiritual battle. I just got a phone call this week and people walk in this church all the time and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, my life's a mess and, and, and things are terrible and I just need prayer and would you help me? And, and then, then I pray with them and then I invite them to church and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to go to church. And I'm like, you... actually, what I want to say is you're an idiot. <laughs> I know that's terrible, right? I should have prayed more. Actually, I want to say you're so ignorant and foolish. That's exactly what the devil wants. Because here's what I know. Life is tough. The battle's hard. And you get fatigued. And you get weak. And you're going to need other people to help you in those moments. 
And you say, well, I don't need anybody else. Well, maybe you don't need anybody else right now, but maybe God wants to use you in somebody else's life. Because they're at their rope's end. And it isn't that they don't know Jesus. They're just exhausted because it's been such a grind. I want to share with you a passage of scripture that is a parable, that's a picture, if you will, from the Old Testament of what I'm talking about here. One of the things I love about the Old Testament is the things in the Old Testament are pictures of New Testament doctrine and reality. Those stories unfolded in a way to teach us in picture form what we're talking about here when we're given instruction in the New Testament. Look at this. Story takes place. Children of Israel are on their way from, the promise, from the Egypt to the Promised Land. And the Amalekites come against them. There's an attack that takes them by surprise. And it says this in verse, uh, Exodus 17, verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim, Moses said to Joshua, oh, that's the commander of the army, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur. You know who that is? That's Moses' inner circle. They're his buddies in God, okay? Went to the top of the hill. Watch this, so interesting. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Now, here's the funny part of that story. I'm sitting there thinking, Moses, why didn't you think of that? There's a stone right there. You know why I didn't think of that? Because when you're exhausted in the spiritual battle, you don't think straight. Watch this. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Do you understand this was a long day of battle? And the reason you're going to need other people in your life is because some of your battles aren't going to last for an hour. They're going to last for a day and for a month and sometimes for a year. Sometimes battles in your life could last for a whole season of your life. And you get weary and you get tired. And you're going to need the fellowship of prayer in your life to help you keep going. And so look what it says. Here's the end result. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites army with the sword. I say all that to say this is that you're going to need the help of God's people and they're going to need your help. This is why you need a church family. Don't ever believe. I don't care if somebody hurts you in the church that you're at and you have to find another church. Actually, I would encourage you to stay and let God work. That's how, that's how you really move forward in Christ. But what I'm going to say to you is that sometimes you go to, you're just like, I'm not ever going to church again. Don't ever do that. You need God's people in your life. Don't ever abandon the fellowship because you're going to need them and they are going to need you for the spiritual battle. This is why we do connect groups because it moves people into building relationships where we can care for one another and pray for one another more than just saying hi on Sunday morning. Because what people need is people that's going to say, I, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm going to put a stone under you. I know you're going through a hard time and I'm going to come beside you and I'm going to hold up your hands and we're going to get through this together and we're going to fight with you. So that you could be victorious and not let the enemy take you down. So, if you're going to develop a life of prayer that makes you strong for the spiritual battle, you're going to need, ready for this? 
frequency, <laughs> variety, power. You've got to learn to pray in the Spirit according to the will of God in your life. Persistence and fellowship. You're going to need those things not only to help put the, help put the armor on, but help keep the armor secure for the spiritual battle. And with those instructions, Paul ends his letter to the Ephesian church with these words. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Titicus, the dear brother and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Do you understand? Not even the great apostle Paul did his Christian life on his own. He had other people. He had a fellowship of believers that helped carry out the mission that God had called him to. He says, I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, we. Do you catch that? And that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And with that, Paul puts his pen down. He rolls up the letter. He gives it to Titius. And Titius begins his journey by foot or animal all the way to the city of Ephesus. And the city of Ephesus gets this letter and it strengthens them. And then as time goes by, people begin to realize there's something special about this letter. And the Holy Spirit preserved it through church history and we're studying it 2,000 years later. Because God's intention is that through this book we would learn how to live out our identity in Christ. And so, that's the book of Ephesians. something powerful in this world for, the, for God. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Lord, I just pray, Lord, for this congregation in the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, I know that you know better than anybody that what makes us strong for you, not only personally, but in this world and in this community, is that we would live out our identity in you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to trust you with all our heart and with all our mind and with all our soul and strength. And Lord, I pray today that we would think differently about our prayer life. I pray that there would be a new vibrancy that would come into it. I pray that there would be mental blocks that we had about it. I pray that they would be removed in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would begin to develop a life of prayer like never before, that we would be strong and mighty in your power to be who you've called us to be in Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you would start a fresh fire in us in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would baptize people in the name of in the Holy Spirit. I pray that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as they seek you for that gift, that you would impart it into their life, Lord, that they would have another tool available to them in the spiritual battle. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand our need for other people, other Christians in our lives. Lord, I pray that this church would be strong for you. That no weapon formed against us would prosper in the name of Jesus. 
that we would be a church that walks around fully armored up, prayed up, empowered up by your spirit. Lord, I just ask it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen and amen. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come at this time. You're here this morning, you have a need in your life. If you want to know more about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, we'd love to talk to you about that, pray with you over that. But if you have a need in your life or know somebody you want prayer, come on up, we'll pray with you. God bless you. Mother's Day next week, got a special message for you. You don't want to miss it. Have a great day.